live from Kansas City, Missouri, the home of the 2023 NFL Draft. It's Unnecessary Roughness, brought to you by Paul Padalaw and Subaru of Las Vegas. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show today, Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll actually be pitching it to JT the Brick and Eric Allen as they're live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center uh, for all your wall-to-wall Raiders draft coverage. Join us now on the phone lines is our good friend from ESPN. That's Paul Gutierrez. And, Paul, thanks so much for your time, my man. And it's draft day. You've been covering a lot of these drafts. You've covered a lot of Raider drafts, man. How did you feel when you woke up this morning, knowing that the first round will get get underway a little bit in a little bit uh, a little bit of a time? <laughs> you know, you know, Q. First off, I got beef, and I got beef with Demond because just because I don't put in a request for an intro song doesn't mean he doesn't have to put an intro song on when I come on. That's kind of our thing, right? Wow. No, you know what's funny that you say that because that's exactly what I asked him before he called you. I said, Paul Paul never hit me with a song. Did he ever hit you with a song or anything? He said, nope. And I said, okay. And then that's the first thing he said. So, see, there you go. I was on, I was on point under, with you. We're doing this under protest. Then. We're doing this under protest. Won't happen there, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's New Year's, right? Or, or so to speak, right. it's one of the many New Year's Eve kind of thing for, for teams and yeah, this is one of the, the more intriguing drafts for the Raiders in the time that I've covered them. And I've covered them since 2005 simply because you just there's so many different ways they can go. Mm-hmm. And, yes, this is the second draft for the, the regime of, of Ziggler and McDaniels. But last year, you know, their first and second round picks turned out to be a pretty good all-pro receiver in Devontae Adams. So mm-hmm. now they've been given basically the keys to the Silver and Black Castle to, to impart their own vision on what they want this roster to look like and pretty much unencumbered by what they want to do from Mark Davis. So, yeah, it, it's I, I'm intrigued more than anything. Uh, and the fact that they're at seven, they're in a good spot whether they want to move up or move back if the guy that they don't really love at seven is not there for them. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, and that's why I really wanted to have you on was because you have seen different staffs go about it, and, and you know, there are different styles and there are different tendencies, and, and you're right, we didn't get to see all of Dave Ziegler's tendencies because he didn't start till the third round last year, but one thing that stood out to me, Paul, was that he drafted in twos, two defensive tackles, two running backs, two offensive linemen. Those were the six picks he got. Do you think that we see uh, multiple picks at the same position this year? Well, I hope they picked uh, ten linebackers because they need a bunch <laughs> of linebackers, and that's not that's not a shot at whoever's still on the roster. They need bodies at that position now. Yeah. A lot, and again, depending upon who's grading them and everything, and it, it doesn't really matter. It matters what's on their board, right? Right. I mean, we heard it ad nauseum at the NFL owners meeting when we were talking with these guys mm-hmm. was that they're going to go use this draft to select the best player available, and the understanding there is dot 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 on their board. Not on your board, not on my board, not on Mel Kuyper's board, not on anybody else's board, but their board. So that is going to be what's interesting is to see what that tiebreaker is. And, and Josh told us this at the NFL owners meeting, too. The tiebreaker, if you've got two players but they're at different positions and they, they, they grade out the same, well, the tiebreaker is going to be the position of need. And right. that's where you go from there. They need a ton of linebackers. They need a, a difference changer at cornerback. And yet if uh, one of those two guys, edge rusher, is there at seven, that's where they go there, too. It was real interesting doing our, our mock draft this week because I had a trade in place to, to move up to number three to select actually a quarterback. Ooh. But both of the two guys that I believe that the Raiders are interested in were both gone in the top two. So I just sat stood pat and I selected Christian Gonzalez. Nice, nice. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So I got to ask, I mean, I'm assuming that you were going to go with uh, C.J. Stroud. I was assuming that you were thinking that he was going to get past Houston. What were you willing to give up from 7-3? to three? 
a pretty expensive package. But as Ooh. somebody in the building told me, he's uh, good. And there was a couple of adjectives in there as well. Uh, I was willing to give up, obviously, this year's first, this year's second, and then next year's first. And my counterpart at the Cardinals was ready to take it, but then when Houston took him, uh, the, the trade did never materialize. So I sat back, and I was ready, actually, to take uh, Tyree Wilson. But then, um, you know, which is kind of shocking because a lot of fans up to this point have heard nothing but cornerback, cornerback, cornerback. Well, you know, and that's one other thing that, that Ziegler and McDaniel told us at the owners' meetings was they're not afraid to make what they see as a strength even stronger by, by adding a player there. So, you know, Max Crosby's already there. Uh, and we know who else could, you know, Chandler Jones is there. Mm-hmm. But if you can add a Tyree Wilson to that mix as well, boom, make that call, make that pick. But he was gone. The Lions took him at six. So I just went to need and best player available, and I went with cornerback. Yeah, you went and got uh, Christian Gonzalez. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to him yesterday as well. Uh, who do you rank higher, Witherspoon or Gonzalez? Depends upon what you're looking for and what you want. I mean, it, it's funny, and, and, I, and I'll lean on Todd McShay here, my, my colleague at ESPN, he says, if you want a guy that's just fast and big and physical and can shut down the number one cornerback, then that, that's Gonzalez. But if you want just that heady, more complete cornerback at this stage of the game, not afraid to get his nose dirty and, and jump in there and tackle, that's Witherspoon. So it depends upon what you want to do. I went with Gonzalez because he reminds me a lot of Namdi Asamoah. And I covered Namdi yeah. and saw how he was able to take away half the field just by how fluid he was, how graceful he was. Um, wasn't you know a fearsome hitter or tackler, but quarterback stayed away from him, so that, that pays dividends as well, and that helps out the pass rush. Yeah, no doubt. I think that would be a really good selection. I saw you get him. I thought, yeah, there you go. That, that's good. And I think a Witherspoon is fantastic as well. So uh, yeah. either way you go, I think you're getting a really good corner. And if you get anything similar to Namdi out of Christian Gonzalez, then, yeah, that's a home run all day of uh, every day. Paul Gutierrez is our guest from ESPN, Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. How likely do you think that the Raiders will have two first-round draft picks in this draft? depending upon what happens at number two. Because if one of those two quarterbacks is still there at three, you know, the, the number two pick overall is, is the key to the entire, if not just the first round, but the entire draft. Because if one of those quarterbacks slips and is still there at three, you're going to see a lot of teams trying to leapfrog over everybody. If the Raiders are involved in that, boom, they're done. That's, that's the number one pick, right, if they want to move up and make it that pick. If they sit at seven and they're not truly in love with somebody there, I could see them trading back. Uh, or even using multiple picks that they have in the third round to get back up into the second. And there's where Hendon Hooker should be available there as well. And that's the, the luxury of signing Jimmy Garoppolo is you don't have to reach on a quarterback. And that's something that Dave Ziegler told me in, in Arizona as well, is that's how he affects their mentality in terms of quarterbacks. They're in love with a couple guys, and then the drop-off is pretty steep, so they don't feel like they have to draft somebody at quarterback. So to move back up into the first round tells me that, that would want, they would want a quarterback at some point. Yeah, I don't think that – I don't know when Hinton Hooker's going to be there, but I don't think he's going to be there in the second. And the fact that they do have Jimmy G, what do you think would be that ideal round to maybe not the quarterback of the future, but just, you know, a steady backup if they need one? That's where you start talking about the Jake Hayners of the world, or the kid from mm-hmm. Stanford, you know, whether that's in the third or the fourth round, day, late day two, early day three. I think that's kind of the sweet spot unless – they really have that guy that they, they're truly in love with, whether it's a Hendon Hooker, whether it's C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, and that's betting on the fact that you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get through the season um, healthy. So a lot of things are at play here. But if it just goes chalk all the way down, to me, I think they would be just fine picking somebody early on day three. I've got to ask you this. I'm going to give you an either-or. Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter, if they were both available for the Raiders. Ooh. 
Uh, you know what? Before you even finish asking, Tyree Wilson. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Tyree Wilson, because of just the 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 uh, the the traits that he has, and just mm-hmm. again, I know everybody's saying well, they don't need a pass rusher. They got they got the two guys there already, and they need cornerbacks. They need DBs. Again, those two things work in tandem, right? Pass rush helps coverage. Coverage helps pass rush. If you've got a monster pass rush, how much better are those cornerbacks? Right, and vice versa. Yep. So with Wilson, he could be, and, and he, you know, and again, his stock has risen a lot the past couple of weeks. But if he is this generational pass rusher that people are talking about, there you go. There's just simply too many question marks around Jalen Carter, and that's not even taking into account the PR hit that this team may hit. And I know it's apples and oranges, and it's totally different circumstances. But you know, the Henry Rugg situation still kind of reverberates a lot, as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not trying to make light of anything. But it, it is what it is, and I just can't see the Raiders making that making that call right then and there. And probably the Seahawks take that issue off of everybody's hands at number five anyway. I agree, and I think that Tyree Wilson has such an upside as well, and he could play multiple positions, and we all know Dave yeah. Ziegler likes versatility. So if he's yeah. there at seven, I would have no problem with the Raiders going and making that move. The problem, Paul, is I think he could be off the board as early as two. Exactly, and that's where it throws everything into in, into a quandary there because now you're looking at the Cardinals, and they don't need a quarterback, but there's a lot of teams that do. So now they're they're sitting in the in the cabinet seat just waiting for all the offers to come in, and I, now i got to go watch a draft day with Kevin Costner again just to kind of <laughs> brush up on how does this work. You know, just try to figure out how many trades are going to come in if that is the case because that's where it's going to be chaos is that pick number two. Yeah, no, it really is. Again, Paul Gutierrez is our guest here from ESPN on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. It, it is going to be intriguing if Houston does not go pull the trigger on a quarterback like C.J. Stroud. Like I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say I, I don't expect them to get a quarterback, but then I do. My, my brain says, yeah, they have to get a quarterback, but maybe they don't. So when it comes to C.J. Stroud, what are your thoughts on him? He said yesterday he's not a test taker. He's a football player uh, because of his S2 scores that obviously were put out there by somebody for a reason, either to have his, his draft stock or a drop, or maybe they are trying to boost up someone else, their own client. Who knows why his score came out, but it came out. We saw it was low. So what are your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? Just a guy that's just a winner, uh, a guy that has all the tools um, and is still learning. And, again, that goes back to my conversation with Dave Ziegler at, at the uh, owners' meetings was that having Jimmy Garoppolo gives them that luxury of not having to reach. If he is indeed one of the guys that they love at quarterback, I believe it's him and Bryce Young then they can take him, and they have that luxury of having him sit and learn. Um, you know, and, and that quote, the older I get, the less I like things like that. When I was younger, I dug it. You know, right. kind of like flipping the finger to the establishment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know what? And then and the conspiracy theorist in me thinks also, maybe his own camp leaked that so that his stock would fall, yeah. so that he could fall to somebody like the, like the Raiders at number seven. It's just, you just can't tell. This entire thing is a crapshoot, and you just make the best educated guess you possibly can. And that's not us. That's the teams that are making the picks themselves. Something that I want to ask you about, as you mentioned, it's just a crapshoot. And you said that the Raiders, maybe they only value two quarterbacks when it comes to a first-round grade. But do you think they maybe would take a second guess about it if Anthony Richardson was there at seven? It's something to think about. I mean, the guy is the most polarizing prospect, right? And I know I use polarizing a lot when I talk about Derek Carr, but this is in a different way. It's just because the, the, the measurables are so off the charts. And yet he's a guy that if he's sitting there at seven, and you already have Garoppolo. You don't necessarily have to reach. To me, it's like Will Levis would be more of a reach in terms of, oh, we got to get him, we got to get him. With Richardson, you can kind of sit on him for a little bit and let him learn. He's only been a starter for one year in college and then sat out the bowl game here in Vegas. So right. that, to me, is more of a let's, let's take more stock in this and figure it out. Obviously, the professionals have done this 
They're going to figure it out. I don't know if he gets beyond uh, Indianapolis anyway. But, um, yeah, again, that's the guy that I think really makes teams think the most because of the measurables and because of the ceiling and because of everything else that comes with him. We've been talking about if they were to take an offensive lineman. No one would care if it's an offensive lineman that's a perennial pro bowler, you know, five years down the line. But do you think that would be a little bit of the air out of the tire if they were to take an offensive lineman in the first round? Huge. It'd be a huge air out of the tire. And I'm not saying it would be a bad pick, but right. that would be the pick where everybody, like, that would be the meme of the Cleveland Furrow where the fan kind of, like, made <laughs> the face, you know, and he yep. walked up, that would be the look. And that's not to, to denigrate whoever that player would be. It's just that, well, then why did you re-sign your entire starting offensive line last year, which was kind of a revelation. It helped mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing. It kept Derek Carr clean for the most part. It, it, it wasn't a bad thing. But if you're going to make your uh, strength stronger, okay. It's just that they simply have more needs around the roster, and if they're going to go with best player available, that would be the only way – to, to really justify that, I suppose. If one of those two tackles uh, grades out higher on their board than one of these cornerbacks, okay, but then you're going to have a hard time justifying that to the fan base. But at the end of the day, wins are all that matter and, and things like that. So, yeah, right. that would be the air out of the tire. That would be the wonk, wonk. Yep. It would be like, same old Raiders, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you kind of felt that when they drafted Colton Miller back in the day. Yep. And yet, yeah. where is he now? He's not a pro bowler, but he's a foundation piece. No, you're not wrong, and I was there in Arlington when they made that selection, and I remember the first thing I said was, damn. (laughs) 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 And it wasn't a disrespect to him, but it was like Derwin James was right there, other guys was there, and you you always look at the sexy pick, but it ended up being the right pick, right? I mean, it was smart. Yeah, and I remember remember texting with John Gruden that night and and over that weekend. He was completely sold. You know, at least he convinced himself that that was the pick to make. And, and, you know, he's one of only, I want to say, we're not counting Josh Jacobs yet, but He's one of only three first-round picks since 2003, guys, that have had second contracts with the Raiders. That's yeah. how badly they've whiffed on first-round picks. It's right. uh, Michael Huff, Darren McFadden, and Colton Miller. They're the only guys that have gotten second contracts after being a first-round pick. Michael Huff got a second one? He got a second deal. I didn't remember. How did I not remember that? I didn't remember yeah. he got a second one, but it must it, it must have been a short one, right? Was it just a one year, two year? Well, he was playing safety and corner, and then he had, you know he had the pick in, in the uh, the immaculate interception. That's game. right, that's right. He sure did in Houston. I remember that the day after Al yeah. passed. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I man, I'll tell you what. It's so funny how we get hyped up over these guys because we think we know what's going to happen with them in the NFL. But I remember when they made that pick because I had covered plenty or I seen plenty of University of Texas ball. I was like, man, Huff is going to be good. That's going to be the dude. Well, he 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 was a dude. <laughs> he just he was wasn't. Solid. Yeah, he was. He's a good player on a lot of bad teams. Right. That's a great way to put it. That's exactly right. Yeah. He was a good player on a lot of really bad teams. Well, Paul, it all gets started tonight, man. So I saw your pick at Christian Gonzalez. If uh, if if for some reason he's already gone, not available, would there be another another pick that you think that they could make at seven? Witherspoon. And to me, yeah. those two guys are kind of interchangeable. That's what they're not the same player, obviously. Right. But they both, uh, I'm sure, grade similarly, and they're the same position and the position of need. And by using that formula that, that McDaniels and, and uh, Ziegler gave us at the owners' meetings, that's what I'm going off of. So, so we'll see. Which means, yeah. obviously, they're going to draft one of the offensive tackles. Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll be talking about how the offensive line is solidified tomorrow on the show. That's, yeah. what we'll, that's what we'll be doing. Well, Paul, fantastic stuff as always, my man. I'm sure that's what the next piece that you're writing is about whoever the Raiders select tonight. That's it, just the reaction piece. And then there trying you. to get DeMond to play war, slipping into darkness next time I come on. 
Boom. There it, it is. We're going to put that into rotation. It's going to happen. It's going to have your name on it, man. <laughs> we appreciate you, Paul. Be good. Sounds good, guys. Take care. All right, there he goes. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Another little, uh, you know, way of looking at things when it comes to the the draft and the Raiders and his perspective. And he's covered a lot of different staffs, so he's seen a lot of different styles. And uh, that's why I really wanted to uh, have him on and just kind of think, uh, or what is these guys compared to the other guys? You know, what is you know what what is his approach, or he he think their pr- approach is so. Uh, really good stuff there with Paul. 2.17 is the time. We'll take a quick break, get to a couple of your calls, hear from Jalen Carter, hear from uh, we'll hear from Christian Gonzalez and you next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text. Nick out of the Valley of the Sun said, what up, Q? What up, D? At the end of the day, this draft is all about exercising the draft demons of the past. I've never felt as confident as I do with Dave Ziegler and his team with the full year of his own guys evaluating. Tonight, whoever the Raiders take, I guarantee you we won't be all saying WTF. They'll take the best players and make the right moves. Let's get behind the Raider Nation and know we are going to start the turnaround tonight. That's Nick out of the Valley of the Sun. And I'll tell you what, Nick, I've said it multiple times. It may be just me falling for the banana in the tailpipe, but uh, I have a lot of confidence in Dave Ziegler as well. It's just something about when he talks. It's just calm, cool, collective. Seems like he's focused on uh, the job in hand and knows what he wants to do and is going to go about it uh, and execute it the way he wants to execute it. Now, obviously, it'll translate on the field one way or the other. It's either going to be great or it's not. But it just seems like he's got a plan in place and he's going to make sure that he sees out that plan. Let's go out to the phone line. Let's talk to our good friend Lester in the Bay. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Yo, guys, what's up? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, thanks, man. I want to jump in uh, regarding the draft talk. You know, with nervous anticipation, not really Christmas time for me. It's more like, uh, I guess, Valentine's Day, guys. You know, nervous anticipation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not really looking forward. You're not really looking forward to it, but you got to you know deal with it. But uh, you know, you know, with this uh, under Vinny's scenario earlier, um, I think you know he was providing a scenario where. They may like Joey Porter more than Christian Gonzalez, you know. And in that in that aspect, if that happens at seven, you know, and, and if you're you know desperate for an old lineman or you like old lineman, that's where you trade down. And granted, you need a you need a trade partner, obviously, but you're going to have phone calls to field trades and probably be able to move down five or six spots and still get an old lineman if you want really want an old lineman ahead of your preferred cornerback. So right. you know, this is where. You got to work the board, and I don't. I, you know, if you're going to get Skaronsky, a short arm guard at seven, that's a mistake in my opinion. You know, I'd rather have Darnell Wright, who's going to be a pure right tackle. But that's where you trade down. You trade down uh, five, six spots. You still might have a shot at O lineman or Joey Porter Jr. or Christian Gonzalez if they fall. So, you know, you got to work the board. You still can't reach. You know what I mean? So, I think at seven, I would love, like you guys talked about, Ty Wilson to be available, Jalen Carter. I, I go D-line all day long, even ahead of cornerback. But, you know, if Witherspoon or Gonzalez are there at seven, you got to take them. I mean, I mean you got to go defense ahead of offensive linemen, guys. Otherwise, you're gonna, you could always get offensive line depth later in the draft, in the third round or whatever you need. But uh, I just think going O-line with that seven pick without uh, trading down is going to be a mistake. So hopefully the best works out. We'll find out. Hey, great call, my man. I appreciate you. And, look, I'll say this. I don't know if it'd be a mistake because, you know, we'll, we'll obviously know how great the player is two, three years down the line. you really understand who the player is. But I understand the feelings, right? I mean, I like I said, and I said it when Colton Miller was drafted, it's no, no disrespect to him. It'd be, it'd be one of those, you know, like, oh, man, you know, you let your shoulders down. Just kind of, dang. 
But, again, ends up being a really good pick, as we could tell. Colton Miller is still a member of the Silver and Black, and as Paul Gutierrez pointed out, only the third player since, what, 2003 first-round pick to have a second contract? I mean, that's that just makes me shake my head just thinking about that. That's that's makes my head want to explode <laughs> thinking about that. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Thank you, Lester, for the call. Let's hear from uh, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? Hey, man, this is a great time of the year in the NFL and just being a Raider fan. I, I mean, I've been doing this draft thing for almost over 30 years, just waiting to anticipate, man. It just, it just like, uh, like a kid at the, uh, on Christmas day, man, just the anticipation. Here's my thing, Q. We cannot reach. And that's been the problem with the Gruden era and all the rest of those things. And I'm with you. I like, uh, Ziegler. I, I think we should just wait and see what he does. But I do not reach. And, you know, DeMond said that – I think he said it, and you, you guys said that don't move up. But, but Q, look at all the – some of the great players, teams moved up to get them. We got, if you have a chance to move up and get, get some – get a, a, a quarterback, I, I'm saying just a quarterback, not no average, you know, average player. But if you can get a quarterback in this draft – like a C.J. Stroud or, or – or, or, well, that's the only person I would move up for. The rest okay. of them guys, I wouldn't do it. But okay. I, just think, I just think don't reach. Just sit there and let it come to you. That's the problem with the Raiders. Sometimes they don't, they, they don't, they don't sit. But what I'm saying is that if you got a, a one-time – I think C.J. Stroud going to be a heck of a quarterback in the NFL. Go get him if you can get him. But if you can't get that defensive player – or whatever player you get, get the best player on the board, Q. Don't waste your time trying to reach it and drop back and doing all this other stuff, man. The teams, you know, the teams that are steady are the teams that are ready. And my thing is that we've been just so anxious and stuff, but we, I, I'm going to give Ziegler, like you said, give him a chance because the thing is is that n- nobody knows what these draft picks going to end up in until three years from now. So we go from there, and I'll let you go. Hey, one last thing on Michael Huff. Michael Huff, he balled out when he was with the Raiders. He did. So, and he, that's why he got that second contract. He, he made a lot of tackles. He made a lot of tackles and some key um, um, pass breakups. If you go back and look at his years there, he did good. And that's it for me, Q. And uh, good luck tonight, man. Thank you guys for everything. Yes, sir. Raider Mac there. Appreciate the call, my man. And, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You don't want to reach, you know, and uh, there's some that, that we could, you could look at and say, okay, that's a reach, that's a reach, that's a reach. But then there's others that, you know, they, they may have more intel than we do. And I, I'm just interested to see how it, how it shakes out. And, and, honestly, it's almost like a, a, a nervous energy because we've been talking about and anticipating for so long and talking about how the team could be turned around and how their fortunes could be turned around. And you just want to kind of see it start to unfold, right? And so um, – we could talk about as much as, oh, I believe this guy, I trust that this guy is going to make the right decisions. But until you actually see it, you know, it's just, it's just conversation. So that's why uh, I'm excited about this evening, just so we can see it start to come together. And this is only round one, right? I mean, again, there's seven rounds, and they have 12 picks. Let's get one more quick call in. How about Gangster Raider? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's happening, man? I'm not feeling too good, y'all, sports-wise. <laughs> My Clippers is gone. My Kings is down 3-2. So, you know, I need the um, Raiders draft to make me feel better. And like a lot of people comparing it to the day before Christmas or um, like the other caller said, the day before Valentine's, I call it, I feel, I got the more feeling like, remember back in the day, Q, before um, 
when I used to let you wear your own clothes to school before you went school shopping, the yeah. night before you went school shopping. That's how I feel because, you know, once you got your school clothes, you knew what you was working with. You was excited to put them on and go to school. Mm-hmm. So before the night before you went to go get your school shopping, that's how I feel now because, <laughs> you know, like I, like I said, I want us to get – I want us to get um, Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter. You know what I'm saying? If we can't get one of them, I hope we trade back and um, just get more ammo and hopefully just build up the team that way. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want. But if everybody else is right about, you know, them two being gone or whatever, I wouldn't mind taking that Gonzalez kid at number seven, you know what I'm saying, or that yeah. other one, the other DB. But if we can't get one of those, I say we trade back and try to build up, as get as much um, – talent as we can on defense, I mean, on defense and around the other teams so we can have competition and depth on the team. You know what I'm saying? But whatever quarterback we draft, I believe we need to let, let them sit behind Garoppolo at least for half the season. And if not a whole season, just at least half the season. And if we got a winning second, if we got a winning record by the end of the half season, just try to get his feet wet and see what he can do. You know what I'm saying? What you think about that, Q? Yeah, no, that's the way to do it, right? I mean, that's the good thing about having Jimmy G there is that you have a, a quarterback in place. You don't have to make him play right away. You don't have to force him into the action. And more times than not, if a guy has an opportunity to sit, he has an opportunity to learn. And none of these quarterbacks are, are polished, you know, finished products uh, outside of, you know, Bryce Young. And even him, he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing C.J. Stroud sit for a minute. I wouldn't mind seeing Anthony Richardson sit for a minute, you know, and I think that that would be good for them, and that's what Jimmy G provides. Now, I don't know if they're going to fall to the Raiders at seven. Uh, I wouldn't trade up for Anthony Richardson, and I don't think I would trade up for C.J. Stroud. I just kind of think that it would make, make more sense to just let them fall to him, and if they don't get that quarterback, then, you know, go and get the best defensive player like we've been talking about quite a bit so uh, thank you so much for those calls i do appreciate you lester raider mac and also gangster raider uh right there for hitting us up with your feedback and we do appreciate all the feedback on don'tbebroke.com text line and the phone lines as well 702-365-9200 we have charles davis from the nfl network he'll come up a little while probably about uh, 15 minutes from now uh, we'll close out the show with him i also want to let you hear from jalen carter and christian gonzalez got a chance to catch up with both of those guys yesterday as well uh, all that's coming up as we close out the show now, 25 or so more minutes left here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Live here in Kansas City. It's getting a lot busier here in the little media room where it's the little radio row, as I like to say it. It's not as big as we're used to when it's the Super Bowl action, but it's a nice little little setup, and you can hear it's a lot noisier now, and it's awesome to, to see all the different radio stations, and it's kind of like that family reunion. All your friends from other uh, markets are, are in town, and they start rolling in, and you start talking to them, so uh, lots of good stuff coming on here in Kansas City, and uh, I can't wait to get out and check out the scene and check out the stage where all the draft picks are going to walk across, at least the ones that are here in Kansas City are going to watch walk across and meet with the commissioner uh, as they get selected by their respective teams. We'll get that opportunity, uh, hopefully get the opportunity, whoever the Raiders pick at seven or whenever they pick, hopefully get the opportunity to talk to that young man as well and bring that to the show tomorrow. And, we'll, of course, we'll have plenty of wall-to-wall coverage. And remember, noon to two, noon to two. Today was noon to three, and then we'll pitch it to JT the Brick and Eric Allen at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And also Lincoln Kennedy is at the Raiders draft party in Las Vegas. So uh, there's going to be a lot of wall-to-wall coverage from the next few hours leading up to the start of the draft. And we'll do it all again tomorrow as day two and round two get started. So 12 to two tomorrow as it was 12 to three today. Earlier, 
was talking to Vinny and uh, was talking about Jalen Carter. And, uh, you know, he was talking to a few different media outlets yesterday, but Sirius XM Radio and his former uh, coach Rick Neuheisel had an opportunity to talk to him and was asking him a couple of questions. And I don't know what show he's on, but it was a couple of guys going back and forth. It was Rick and then another guy he's with going back and forth. And uh, really, I, when I walked in, it was it was on one question that, that coach was asking Jalen Carter about the opportunity to go and meet with you know, the, the, the teams, you know, have the private meetings, the top 30 visits with the team and how important that was. And it just didn't seem right when Jalen Carter just basically didn't pay attention to the question. And so me and Vinny had mentioned it earlier. And for so those who have not heard it, I wanted to go ahead and pass it along. So here is that uh, quick, brief interaction with Jalen Carter. Well, it's very important. You know, uh, I ain't gonna lie, I missed the question. Well, so my question is, like, you get a chance to really spend time with them and, and get to know them, but they get to know you. Who is Jalen Carter and what makes this work? How great has that been for you to be able to go back in front of coaches and just spend some time with them one-on-one and be able to let, see yourself as, I'm Jalen Carter, the best defensive lineman in this draft class? It's been awesome because um, a lot of people, I feel like, don't know the, the real me, my personality, or what I like and what I don't like. And just got uh, having the uh, time to explain that with all the coaches, position, GM, uh, head coach, uh, they, I feel like they got a lot to like get to know me, and they, they really understand me a little bit. It had to be difficult dealing with the tragedy that took place uh, on campus there as you guys were celebrating the championship with the car accident. Trying to describe your involvement in that and getting everybody to understand what took place on that particular night, how challenging has that been? Uh, it's been very challenging, you know. He's my teammate, a player, and also a staff, and you know, it's just been a lot. You know, I've been pushing through. I got my brother, who's a pastor, been praying for me. I had some time, some nights where we pray together, and you know, I've been pushing through. Jalen, could I ask you about facing um, Bryce? There's been a lot of. First of all, how would you describe him as a as a player and as a future NFL quarterback? Bryce is an awesome player. You know, I've, I've been watching the media and stuff, seeing him talk about his height, but. His height don't, don't got nothing to do with his play. You know, he's a very good player. I played against him, and I seen what he can do. And, and I know if he get to a good team and they trust him, believe in him, he can take over. Ten You're one quick. day away from like the draft. One day away. And you've been thinking about this your whole life. Who's joining you on this journey that gets to watch you go across the stage? Oh, it's a lot. I got a lot of family down here. <laughs> but my mom, mainly uh, my dad, my uncles, my aunties, cousins. I got a lot. It's like, like 12 of us. Okay, I want to know what you got planned to wear tomorrow night. I know, yeah, I know yeah. you're a fashion statement. You got you got something laid out. Yeah, you, I got something laid out. You ready out. to make a statement? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I got. You're some... not going to give us any clues as to what's. I can't. Gonna... You know, me and my mom want to wait till tomorrow, and then y'all can see what I got on. Well, my last question for you is the one that always people ask. Um, when you've gone through this whole process, what's the one thing that's stuck in your mind in terms of this process from when you started for the draft, declaring, getting yourself ready to the day before? One thing that maybe stuck out for you? I don't think it's really anything that stuck out. You know, I think uh, throughout the whole process, I've been doing good, been staying calm, staying humble like I am. And, uh, you know, now we're here. Tomorrow's the day. Let's go. There's Jalen Carter right there, and not a whole lot. But uh, like I said, he was really, they were really kind of guarded with him when we were at the Play 60 event. So uh, he's going to be an intriguing storyline, right? I mean, he's a young dude. Uh, I don't root against anybody, honestly. I want everyone to succeed. We know that the reality is everyone won't. 
Uh, but he's just so intriguing. We know how talented he is when he's, you know, motivated and got his mind right. And, and, and then there's a big question mark, question mark about is he always going to be motivated and have his mind right, right? There's, there's always that. Uh, one guy that I did have an opportunity to catch up to a little one-on-one a couple minutes was cornerback uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, the guy who I actually picked on my podcast to be the pick at number seven. Here with cornerback Christian Gonzalez. Here at this Play 60 event, what has this meant to you, just be able to hang out with the kids the day before draft day, kind of get your mind away from what's going to happen on Thursday? It's, it's meant a lot. It was fun because, you know, I was pretty sure I was a part of one of these a couple years ago. Uh, just being a little kid coming out here and, you know, just being out here with the prospects and, and then just being able to do it with, you know, with me being one of the prospects has been real fun. What has this whole process been like, I mean, from the combine to being here now, knowing that you're on the eve of getting drafted? It's it's been a long process. Um, you know, I'm I'm really excited for for tomorrow. Tomorrow night is something I've looked forward to my whole life. So I'm just ready to get to there. Coming from a, a family that's very athletic, and you you were playing Texas high school football, so that's a, a whole nother level. What do you feel like the next level is going to be like for you? Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot. I mean, it's it's straight football, straight business, um, and it's the best of the best, the best competition in the world. So that's what I'm excited for is a competition just day in and day out. What was it that you did last year at Oregon that you felt like you needed to do and put on film and just kind of show the NFL that this is, this is who you are? Uh, just being versatile and then ball skills, uh, taking the ball away. I, you know, I always trust my hands. I grew up playing receiver, um, so I, I believe I got great hands. Um, so just having to finish the plays, and I did that this year, so I decided I did that. What separates you between from you and the other top corners like the Witherspoon, Porter, in, in this draft? Being my size and being how versatile I am. Uh, being able to, you know, I played nickel this year. Uh, we'll move in and out, uh, following the, res- the number one receiver and just being really, just being versatile, being able to go in and, and play the whole defense from the nickel back. Um, you know, the team trusting me. Do you have uh, any emotions yet for tomorrow? Has it hit you yet to what's going to happen tomorrow? Honestly, not right now. <laughs> Probably when I go lay down tonight. Uh, today's real busy, Yeah. Uh, which I think is good. Uh, no, I don't really. I won't think too much. Uh, just sitting in the room thinking. Uh, but tonight, uh, my family gets in tonight, so we'll probably all, you know, chill in the hotel, just talk, hang out. Um, so it'll probably all hit me when I'm about to go to sleep. Got the outfit picked out already? Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, good luck, my man. Sure. There you go, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. And, and the thing about it is, at this stage of the game, uh, like he said, you know, the, the emotions, he'll think about it when he lays in bed. And he was looking forward to his family coming to town. But there's nothing he could do at this point, right? It's all done. The work is done. The meetings are done. Everything that you can do to try to prove and, 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 and you know, put out your case of why you should be the first whatever selected, first corner selected, first DN selected, first quarterback selected, all that work is already done. Now it's just a matter of what team's going to pick you. So it's going to be nervous energy. I'm sure everyone's excited. Every one of those guys that are going to be in the green room are super excited because they know at some point they will get their name called and they'll begin their their career of being an NFL player, which is something that they've all really dreamed of and all wanted to to do for a very long time. So, again, Christian Gonzalez was the guy that I selected uh, on my podcast this morning that dropped that I think the Raiders will take at seven. They stay there at seven. But there's so many different ways that this thing could play out. You know, it's just about sitting back, watching, 
and seeing what happens. But uh, he would be, a, I think, a really good player. I think Witherspoon would be a really good player. And I think there's plenty of other players that would be really good for the silver and black as well. So let's go ahead and close things out with one of my, my guys, man, Charles Davis from NFL Network. I was over at the barbecue spot. Daniel Jeremiah was there. Joel Klatt was at there. And uh, Charles Davis was there and really started talking about the quarterbacks, talking about C.J. Stroud. He was asked off top about the S2 score and what he knew about it. Relative to processing and that whole S2 yeah. situation, what do you make of it? I don't know enough about the S2. You know, I remember the Wonderlick, and I took it as a guy coming out and all. And I still can't tell you exactly what it was all about. I do know the stories about past quarterbacks with the Wonderlick. <laughs> Guys that you knew really well, guys that we're probably polishing their busts in Canton, that I'll guarantee you scored less than 13 on a, on, a, on a 50 scale. So I don't know what that means when you're telling me this is a certain number versus that number. What does that mean? When you sit with the kid and you turn on the tape and he takes you through all of it, that's your best ass too. And I'm not denigrating the test. I don't know enough about the test. I just know that I'm at the stage of my life, I'm not kicking somebody out because I heard a test score. I want to know what that means and, and how you value it. Certain teams are going to value it more and go, whoa, 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 whoa. If they don't like that score, they don't want to deal. Other teams will go, well, that's a score and that's a piece of our process. I can't unsee him down the stretch playing because I thought he bounced back so well from Michigan versus Georgia. That tells me something about a quarterback. I've always said I will judge my quarterback or the quarterback on the day we're in the fourth quarter, two dates, 17 for 40, throwing a couple of picks, had a couple of empty series, but I got to have it now. And they move and they score. The guy's 31 and 35. That's a heck of a day. But I got to know that other guy. Will he get that? And to me, that was kind of his 17 to 40 bounce back. Because the Michigan game didn't go so well. But Georgia? Georgia? Georgia's. Woo. I mean, that was, that was relief. He did it all that night. So, I like, you know, based on field, based on tape, there's a lot there to like. Speaking of Georgia, what do you think of Jalen? Look, if it's all about the tape, if it's all about the play, we know who he is. Like, when we started this process, Chicago at one, everybody thought, oh, we almost all locked that in. Chicago won, Jalen Carter. Now time has gone by, things have happened. Again, each team valuing, evaluating what they can deal with, what they like, what they don't like, and go from there. Play, playing skill, this is how good he is to me. He had the off-field stuff, which is tragic because we had two people lose their lives. That's number one for me. But it was went through the process. They said, here's the punishment. Can't be refiled or retried, so here we are. However you feel, that's where we are. Then you get to the next step. He's overweight, and he can't finish his pro day. Normally, that's a, that's a kerfluffle. What did we hear right after? But he still won't get out of 10. I mean, I heard no one, me included. Now, Philly had taken him in 10. Like, like, it was a lot. Now, is that still true? I don't know that that's still true, but I still don't think he's going super far down the road. But a, a lot of it, again, is what is your 
organization feel about it? I, but it's like someone mocked him to a certain organization that I saw earlier, and I just started laughing because I was like, I know that organization. He doesn't work for them. <laughs> someone else? No, nah, that's fine. It'd be okay. But that organization, that person mocked, I went, no shot. And they were in the top ten. I said, like, that organization, that owner's like, oh, that's a no. Others? Maybe not so much. Anthony Richardson, is that a not enough tape situation, not enough repetitions, or is that a flag? It's where we're headed as evaluators. Coach Parcells' formula is phenomenal about a quarterback, right? And it's a great formula. How often are we going to get to that formula now? Right? How often are we going to get Brock Purdy's in school long enough to have 48 starts? How often are we going to get there? If he's a redshirt sophomore, you're talking about two years, and he's got a chance to come out. So your evaluation, and, and this is where I rely on the people who are doing really well. Good luck, guys. you got to do a little bit different evaluation because you're not going to get the rest of the evidence to come in. With him, you see all the flashes. Utah tape, you might take him in first quarterback. Kentucky tape, you're not taking him first quarterback. Tennessee tape, he was really pretty darn good. I've seen him in the pocket where, in my mind, pressure, he turns into it instead of turning away from it. Other times I've seen him do a 360 and he's out the back door and he's still running. I've watched him throw in person. That bad boy comes off his hand like nobody's business. Like, I could do this all day long and you see nothing but effort. And he's just, and that bell, whoosh, and it's mesmerizing. Was his percentage all his fault? No. Didn't have the same receivers you normally get at Florida. But at the same time, there were inaccuracies. And to me, accuracy isn't just a completion. Okay? I'm throwing the check down on the swing. Am I putting it here so you catch it and keep running? Or am I making you turn? If I'm making you turn, that's inaccurate. I got a post safety. I need to stop you before you get there so I don't get you killed. If I throw it into that post safety and there's a collision, that's inaccuracy. Those are the things that we're looking for. And, and last thing, everybody who likes him will jump on Josh Allen. I got it, okay? Josh Allen was at 50-some percent. He was 70% by his third year. Cool. Who else? He's still the outlier. He's still the outlier. So until we get more and more and more evidence, I still have to go back to, I'm going to improve, but that's a monster jump. That's off the charts. Is Bryce Young too small? I don't think so. I don't think so. I do know this. When I was a kid, those quarterbacks walked through the door. You knew they came through the door. They were mastodons, man. Because back then, if I put a helmet in your back, that wasn't a penalty. <laughs> I clubbed you upside the head with a four. That wasn't a penalty. They were big, big people. Like when we sit for those reunions, right? When Marino comes through the door and Jim Kelly comes through the door and, and, and Boomer Esiason and now Peyton and Eli. Whoa, those are some big old cats. But with the rules being what they are, how we play the game now, I don't think he's too small. Tarkenton was small. He managed to make it. Russell Wilson a little more built up. Drew Brees a little bit more built up. That's probably a closer comparison. I think he's smart about what he does. I think he understands where where, where things are. 
we'll, we'll find out. We've seen a lot of them take the hits. I mean, Jalen Hurts, their season almost went poof last year. And he's pretty well put together. C.J. Stroud, that S2 that you were talking about earlier, is that coming out now because of a team wanting him to drop? We, who knows what the motivation is. It could be somebody in a rival camp. It could be a team wanting him to drop. It could just be someone acquired the information. And you know what they say about having information? It's no fun if you can't tell someone. Right. If you can't get credit for having information, what's right. the sense in having it? So there's no telling why it's coming out. A lot of times we look at it for bad reasons. Yeah. I can't think of a good reason it would come out. I just don't know where it would come from and how it would leak. And then once it starts, then you get this happened at this place. Yeah. This happened at this place. Yeah. And now we're all chasing and did this or did this not. I don't know. Well, we talked a couple weeks ago and I said, Will Levis, it was real quiet on him. Now all of a sudden, he's the hottest thing going. Hey, w- roller coaster. If he were still in school, he could get an NIL from, from Reddit, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, this is just a whoosh. Yeah, yeah. I know somebody called me yesterday and I laughed and they were like, no, 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 no. You better check this. This is breaking. Right. And I was like, oh, it was. Yeah. Who knows? I still believe Bryce Young's going to be the first guy to take it. Houston at two is the whole deal. Do we believe the smoke? I did it in mock draft. I, I woke up at 447 this morning and thought, if you're sitting at two, why would you let someone else pick your quarterback? Right. So I feel I'm coming more and more towards Houston taking a QB at two. Feels like it. Final Feels one. like it. Anthony Richardson, you talked about him and his completion percentage and, and everything that he's got going on. With his work ethic, is that something that he can yes. grow into? Yeah, he can grow into it. I just don't want all of us to think that all of a sudden, like Josh Allen, we go 16 percentage points right. in three years. Yeah. That is a jump that we've never had before. Like, if we've had it, I need someone to tell me who it's been and where. Never seen it. He's still the outlier. But can it get better? Sure, he'll have better receivers. He should get better and more accurate in what he's doing. Have you met him? Yeah. yeah. Great kid. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. He's the type of kid you spend three minutes with. You believe in him and you want to work with yeah, him. Yeah. You want to be around him. The player's tribute that he wrote was fantastic. He's phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. I love this young man. Yeah. And if I'm a coach, I'm in there Jones and give me this kid. Because if you make him more accurate and better, guess what? Right. You're better as a coach. No too. doubt. No one's turning that down. That's going to be one of the biggest storylines talked about tonight. When will someone pull the trigger on Anthony Richardson? Will he go top five? Will he go top ten? Who's going to be the the coach that decides that they want to develop that quarterback and thinks that they could develop that quarterback? Will it be Josh McDaniels? Will it be the Indianapolis Colts? Will it be, you know, the Seattle Seahawks? There's so many different teams I could look at and say, yeah, I can see Anthony Richardson going there, but only time will tell when it's actually going to happen, but we'll find out sooner rather than later as it'll happen later on this evening. That's going to do it for us. We're going to pitch it to uh, JT the Brick and Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. JT and Eric Allen, they're at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and Lincoln Kennedy's over at the Raiders Draft Party. They're going to lead you all the way up to the first pick. Remember, put it in your notes. Myself and DeMond will be back here tomorrow, noon to 2 Pacific time, to uh, hold it down and lead you into round two of the NFL Draft. But we'll do the same thing we did today. We'll go noon to 2, and then we'll uh, pitch to JT and Eric Allen, and they'll take you right up to the first pick of round two. So uh, there you go, wall-to-wall draft coverage. We promised that we were going to bring it to you. We're bringing it to you from all different angles, Kansas City, Henderson, downtown Las Vegas. I mean, all the spots. We've got it covered like a glove. So uh, just happy to be able to do this for Raider Nation because that's what you deserve. So that's it for myself and Demond. Many thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas, Paul Padalaw. Also thank them as well for getting us here in Kansas City. Now, 
Heading over to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, JT the Brick, Eric Allen, for more wall-to-wall draft coverage here on Raider Nation Radio 920.